Creatures of the Night! Welcome to episode 161 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio. I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy. He is one of the ushers for this funeral procession here tonight, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, you know, you and I, we're both here. We're both uh, we're both shirtless getting ready for this eulogy that we're about to give for The Undertaker tonight. <laughs> Just want to encourage all our listeners out there to join us in uh, taking their shirts hey. off and putting gloves and an elbow pad on because, I mean, that's what you do for a funeral. Am I right? <laughs> what better way? What better way to celebrate the... Uh, the death of a loved one than to <laughs> go, yeah, no shirt, elbow pad, fingers, gloves on. So that's it. That's the best way. That's the dress code uh, for this funeral here. Exactly. Because we are talking Buried Alive, Undertaker versus Kane at Bragging Rights 2010. And, you know, it wasn't advertised as such, but as far as we are concerned with our podcast and the way that we're, the chunks that we're breaking it up into, this is what we're calling an end of an era because this is really the end of Undertaker's run as a fully active competitor on the main roster because after this night um, he's competed you know throughout the year you know he was off for a good chunk of the year but he's been back for these last three pay-per-views this is really the last period of time that he actively competes on Smackdown from week to Mm -hmm. week and, uh, you know, after this, as we mentioned last week, it's going to be five years in a row of only competing at WrestleMania. So we're calling this the end of an era. We're going to give our top ten list at the end of this episode from this era, which we're considering WrestleMania 20, where he re-debuted as the dead man against Kane. And it just kind of fits kind of perfectly that he ends right here in this buried alive match against his brother Kane yet again. Exactly. You know, I guess the the end of an era match would come in two WrestleManias from this, but, you know, this is the perfect way to to stop it and kind of close this season, I guess, if you will, out. And, uh, it's a good idea because, you know, like I said, if we, don't, if we go much longer than the next season, won't really be much to choose from, so not too much left after this. So, But, yeah, this is his last kind of full-time gig here as uh, Bragging Rights 2010, and uh, speaking of bragging rights, this is the time of year that we should have bragging rights on TV with, you know, college football and stuff like that. But it's going to be a little different this year with COVID. And, uh, so we'll see what happens, uh, how football goes. Is it Monday Night Football coming back in a couple weeks? Uh, yeah, I mean, NFL starts Thursday and uh, Clemson, oh, we got our first game on Saturday night, man. Clemson, Wake Forest. So uh, I'll be watching. Uh, we'll take the bragging rights, even if it's only half the teams. <laughs> out there exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so it'll be it'll be fun though but yeah we're gonna get into the the real bragging rights wwe you know that's it, most man. important pay-per-view of the year that we're gonna put 
two teams up against each other from Raw SmackDown and do it again the next month. So it, it is the only time during the year where Raw and SmackDown go face to face. That's what they say, at least. And they never, they never been the truth. Never, so. never. So uh, let's take our time traveling hearse uh, back to this return of the Dead Man era one last time. We're going to take it back to October of 2010. Uh, we had two weeks to build to the pay-per-view last time. Uh, we've got a whopping three weeks of build to this pay-per-view here. Oh, yeah. As we, <laughs> we, pick up, out. we pick up after Kane defeated The Undertaker for only the second time in their 13-year rivalry, this time inside Hell in a Cell, where he reunited with the father of destruction, Paul mm. Bearer. Uh, so we're picking up October 8th. 2010 as the father and the son of destruction are reunited and Kane is going to have a special address for his actions to the Undertaker here tonight Uh, and that's going to be you know at the end of the night we've got Paul Bearer already in the ring he's got a spotlight on him as he should have all the rest of the lights in the house are off he's holding the urn proudly and he wants to introduce us to a man that should be respected, feared, revered. Allow me to introduce you to the man who single-handedly destroyed the myth of the Undertaker. The man that left him in a pathetic, writhing mass on the canvas with his very soul Seeping into the concrete. And uh, I just assume that he means just through the mat all the way I down guess. into the floor. Because, yeah, uh, there wasn't actually any concrete. No. no concrete crypt. No concrete slams in this match. Yeah, he just can't get the concrete crypt out of his mind, I guess. I, I don't blame him. haunting him. So he brings out his son, like the proud papa that he is. He brings out Kane. Uh, Kane makes his way out. Paul hands him the mic. And again, much like the promos from during the summertime, Kane's got that music swelling up beneath him as he talks. And they've even amped it up a little bit here. He's got some visual effects being projected onto the canvas. Like, sort of like... Yeah. Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton in that uh, WrestleMania match with the maggots mm-hmm. crawling on the mat. Kane's got some flames uh, projected onto the mat. And I the music, a pretty cool touch, man. I liked it for this. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it during a match. but uh, No, 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 <laughs> like by no for, means. Yeah. For a Kane promo. And the music, too, it's even more over the top. It's like after every sentence, it just kind of goes, like it just like <laughs> swells up underneath the, like the guy on the keyboard is real trigger happy. To... But then again, I never thought that my brother's pride would make him so weak. Undertaker, you may have sent Paul Bear to the dark side, but it was me who brought him back. Because I am more powerful than you can ever imagine. Oh, it's man. always when they got John Williams backstage with the orchestra, and they're like, just taking live cues. And it's so cool. Swell. Yeah. I love it, dude. Swelling the orchestra up when Kane hits those one-liners. I think there <laughs> should be people in the Thunderdome who are able to do that on oh, the keyboard. Like during yeah. matches or during promos or something. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. (laughs) 
which speaking of the Thunderdome, we'll get to that in our uh, uh, listener comments at the end of the show. Don't let me forget. But Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, Kane does his promo here. He says, Undertaker may have sent Paul Bearer to the dark side, but he brought him back from the dark side because he is more powerful than anyone could have ever imagined. Uh, Kane says what was even more satisfying than beating The Undertaker was seeing the look on his face when Paul Bearer handed him the urn. And then Kane turns his attention to the audience and says the most delicious part of all was the fall of the fans' idol, The Undertaker, because it meant all of the fans' hopes and dreams fell apart as well. Uh, Kane says Undertaker is just like the fans, weak, pathetic, helpless at the mercy of their superiors. Uh, Kane goes on saying the, the everyone in the crowd answers to someone, their boss, their parents, their spouse, and now the dead man is going to answer to the devil's favorite demon. Uh, he keeps saying uh, the Undertaker has been betrayed by those closest to him. His legacy has been shattered. He has failed all of his creatures of the night and it must feel like the undertaker is in his own personal corner of hell but don't worry kane says because they are just warming up which uh kind of goes in contrast to what he's been saying before each of the past two (laughs) matches that's going to be like the end of their rivalry and and he's won both times and yet inexplicably he keeps saying the rivalry is not over yet <laughs> exactly yeah he's like we don't we're just getting started here even though yeah like like again at night champions that was supposed to be the end of it and then yep. nope we're gonna rewind that and do it again and now he's like ah oh, we're just getting started but then when you said just warming up and then you think like oh pyro you know like inferno yeah. match like you mentioned last week i think like they could have ended in an inferno match or something so um but no that's not where we're headed Headed somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Headed straight to the bowels of the grave. Exactly. Near the concrete. We could have had a concrete crypt match. Why did we do that? Bring it full circle. Come on. <laughs> so, well, SmackDown the next week, October 15th. Um, Paul Bear is holding the urn backstage. He's got like a sepia tone over him. Man, I really dug this, this video. Me There's too. like some orchestral music playing behind him. And uh, he says, time for the final reckoning is nigh. And he's going to present the instrument of his final destruction. I offer you one last opportunity to take back the Holy Grail in a fight with my son, the devil's favorite demon. It's really simple. The winner will be world heavyweight champion, and the loser will be buried alive. Yes, there shall indeed be a grave-sided bragging right, where you will meet your end inside this lonely death. I know you will accept my offer, because the deadly sin of pride has always been your downfall. It was pride, Undertaker, that made you so vulnerable to your brother's attack, which put you into a vegetative state on Memorial Day. It was pride that led to your humiliation by Cain at the Night of Champions. And it was indeed your pride that allowed me to fool you and shatter you alongside my son at Hell of a Cell. Undertaker, because of your pride, you will be And that's only the beginning, and when Taker's still breathing, he'll then be covered in dirt, squirming like a worm in the dirt, gasping for air. The dirt's going to gather and rise on all of his flesh, and then Kane's plan will almost be complete. 
When they arrive tonight at the arena, they're going to call Undertaker to Destiny's door, and the crowd will see the broken shell of a man the Undertaker has become. So I really thought this video was cool, but again, like we mentioned last week, Bearer has kind of lost a little bit of step in his theatricality. But that being said, again, his, the measuring stick is so high for him. It's not this, it's not a <laughs> knock on him, but like we love this guy. Like we, we talked so early on in this career and this episodes of like how we didn't realize how much bear added to the matches and the promos like so i'm not knocking paul bear here but like this just didn't live up to the 1993 four five stuff you know but in in in, in a bubble this was really really cool video man i really dug it and it was a really good promo on his behalf you know yeah it was almost like it was he sped his way through this promo yeah that was maybe maybe that's it what i noticed in it it wasn't like Ooh, Undertaker. He wasn't yeah. like doing that stuff. He just like it was cool dialogue and it was cool to yeah. see him doing it. So I was just like happy to see that. But it it didn't feel like the Paul Bearer of old. I think you're right. I think it's the, the cadence was just it was it was almost like when we talked about that big show promo that he gave. Yeah. One night when it he was, was a lot like that. <laughs> it's like in the ring, just you could tell he was just reading lines, you know, like just going off of it, like kind of like that. So I think that's exactly what it was. So, but again, still a cool promo. And again, he's challenging Taker to to meet them tonight and answer the answer the call. So, Kane and Paul Bear come out later on with the urn for the main event segment. Again, these guys are killing the main events of these paper of these uh, SmackDowns. So we got flames on the ring again projected there, and Kane says that the facts here leave no room for arguments. The fact is, the fans hope Taker's going to come back and be more powerful and evil than ever. But the fact is, he's a shell of his former self due to Kane and his superiority. So, and at this point, I noticed that Kane's got a busted right eyebrow, so he must have huh. gotten hit at a house show or something. I don't know. So, who knows what happened? But his, yeah, his right eyebrow's got like stitches on it. But anyway, Kane then says Taker failed in a no holds barred match and in a Hell in a Cell, and he's going to fail in a Buried Alive match as well. So, it's already, that's a fact. So, Kane says the fans use Taker as an escape from their dead end jobs and their dead end lives, but he's going to make us face the reality. There is no escape. If there is anyone watching who still believes that the Undertaker, the Phenom, can do anything to stop me, then your hopes, just like my brother, are going to be buried alive. He goes into full-on Vince mode there. There so. we go. And then he cackles and cackles and cackles and cackles a lot. But he's missing the music tonight. They didn't have the yeah. music swelling up beneath him. It's really disappointing. I don't know, man. I don't know why they do the things they do when they do them. It's like sporadically. <laughs> nope. There's it's no rhyme or reason, man. So, <laughs> Well, then um, – as he's doing this, you know, proud Papa Paul is back there, you know, uh, nodding, and the crowd is chanting for Taker. The gong's going to hit. The lights go out. Taker's music hits, and he comes out through the smoke and the flames. No robe or anything, just on, just got his gear on, so he's all business here. He stares Kane down the whole way down to the ring, gets on the steps, raises the lights, gets in the ring, and then Kane's, like, shaking his head back and forth like, no, 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 and then they kind of stare off. 
And then Taker does this, you know, the head whip like only he can. Just kind of whips his head really quickly to, to look at Bear. Whips it back to look at Kane. And then Kane starts backing away. Taker just immediately goes in, welling on him, kicking him, punching him in the corner, beating him all over the ring. And Michael Cole says this is a more evil, more demented Taker than ever before. So, again, hyperbole is fine. It's, it's fine when it's with these guys. So, uh, Kane's like actually scurrying away on his back. This probably is the most powerful we've seen Taker in this particular run of months, you know? Yeah, since he uh, um, came back he's, from he's really... the vegetative state. Yeah, exactly. He's he's really laying into Kane here, and uh, Kane winds up, uh, Kane and Bear wind up backing up toward the entrance, and Taker actually does Kane's taunt. He raises his arms up and does like you know, shoot, uh, slams his arms down, and Pyro shoots out of the ring post. So he's now taking a page out of Kane's book and mocking him, showing he's got the same power he does. So, and then Kane and Bear back all the way up to the entrance, and then Taker raises his hands and calls down lightning to strike them. Which again, that's something we hadn't seen in a few years here have we seen that since like the randy orton we saw maybe with edge once yeah yeah very you know very sporadically yeah yeah they save it for very special occasions exactly so it's always cool visual to see so and then taker poses in the in the middle of the ring with the shakespeare pose but paul barrett drops the urn when that lightning strikes which is really cool because then after that we get a really really cool camera shot man i just i just i dug the cinematography of this man just kind of just it's a, it's a camera shot from really low on the ground. It's got the urn front and center, and over like over like the the back of the urn, you can see Paul Bear and Kane in the background, like going back to the back. And it's just a really really cool shot. And Matt Striker at this point says, "Well, the Undertaker's obviously accepted the Buried Alive match challenge. So I guess one way to accept a challenge is to sign a contract. Another way <laughs> is to strike your opponent with lightning. So he signed it with lightning. Two options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So then Matt Stryker went on to say one week from Sunday on the seventh day, one brother will be buried alive. And I yeah. just thought, what, what is he taught? What is the seventh day? Like, was he supposed to be making a biblical illusion? I, I think he was trying to, but like, what does that mean? Right. Like, that's the day what God was rested. This? Not, <laughs> yeah. That's nothing yes. to do with Cain and Abel. And like, nope. Like, is this supposed to be a Cain and Abel type thing here? It has nothing to do with it. Nope. So, yeah. Jesus wasn't buried on the seventh day. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. He yeah. was risen on the Lazarus third day. Lazarus raised on the seventh. Uh, yeah, that doesn't matter. So, yep. Yeah, I'm, he's just, I can't wait for this guy to disappear. So, <laughs> get, the pay per view. <laughs> The pay-per-view is not on the seventh day of the month. No. Like, I don't know what he's going for you. But, uh, no. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that takes us to our go-home show, October yeah. 22nd, 2010. They're going quick here. Um, that's all right. We'll have some long episodes coming up here shortly. But <laughs> Yeah, next week might be really long. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, main event is going to be uh, – well, let me just say – as we all know, bragging rights is the one night of the year when Raw Certainly. and SmackDown go face to face. Yeah. Um, except, of course, for this episode of SmackDown, because the entire night of SmackDown is Raw versus SmackDown <laughs> matches all yeah. night long. Exactly. Um, not to mention every other time that we've had Raw versus SmackDown matches throughout the year, which yeah. we've covered multiple times on this show. Anyway, uh, the Raw World Champion, Randy Orton, is going to face the SmackDown World Champion, Kane, here, which should be a pay-per-view match, but it's just on this random yeah, episode of SmackDown exactly. here. Uh, we get a tail of the tape before the match, and it's uh, kind of crazy to think about. 
like we mentioned a couple weeks ago, Kane is oh, this is the only the second and the uh, the last time that he mm-hmm. ever holds a world title here. Uh, he's been in the company for 13 years at this point. He'll go on to be in the company for like 23 years. Um, just these two world titles is all he gets. Whereas in 2010, Randy Orton was already a seven-time world champion after just eight years. And then he'll he go won on. his first one until 04 either, right? So it's only been six years, and he's got it seven times. So yeah. And crazy. he's sitting at 15 right now. So he's uh, one behind John Cena, I believe. Am I right? Uh, 14 or 15, I can't 14? remember. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, he's close. It's Cena, Cena and Flair, or even though Flair has more, and then I think yep. Triple H and Orton are right behind Cena. So. Yep, they're the top five. So just kind of crazy, man. Yeah. Um, well, they're going to face off in the main event. You know, it's a f- okay match. Uh, nothing special, nothing fancy between these two here. Um uh, Kane is headed towards victory. He's got Randy Orton up for a choke slam. When the gong hits, lights go out, and they come back on, and Randy Orton is behind Kane. They uh, he pounces on Kane and hits the RKO to get the pinfall. And Kane is just left frustrated in the ring. He's going around looking for Taker. He's screaming, "Where is he? Where is he?" And Matt Stryker, I guess he's a man. He's a man after your own heart, Travis, because he says Kane is looking for the Dark Knight. (laughs) Missed it by two years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just confirms that the Undertaker is Batman. As as we we've made that illusion many times on this show. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh man, dude, if Kane, wow, Kane should have said. If you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight, holy oh, crap. God. That would have fit so well in this. Holy crap. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> and Vince, insane. Vince would have thought, what a great line, pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had no idea. <laughs> yeah. He had no idea. He'd have no idea. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard oh. probably wouldn't either. <laughs> Well, he wasn't around, but I don't know. Nah, true. Anyway, uh, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. might have known. I don't know. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Kane gets back in the ring. The crowd's chanting for Undertaker. The gong hits again, and that purple haze covers the ring. We hear the thunder crack, and then suddenly the Undertaker pops up out of the ring. He pokes a hole through the ring and comes up out of it, and he starts to pull Kane down into the abyss. And Kane struggles out, but Undertaker grabs his head, put uh, just his arm comes up out mm-hmm. of the hole in the ring and grabs Kane on the top of his head, pulls him back down uh, very cinematically as the lights go out in the arena and the bell just tolls a few times as the show mm-hmm. goes off the air. And it's actually a slightly different bell. To- so, you know, we call it yeah. the gong that uh, we hear over and over again. Um, even though we've made clear it's not actually a gong sound, um, but right. this was very clearly a bell tolling, so a very slightly different sound than what we hear with Undertaker's entrance. But uh, you know, very over the top, very cinematic here, very fun uh, way to go off the show towards the oh, pay per view. Yeah. Um, although I will say, uh, it definitely feels like they lost a lot of steam here yep. over since this. I mean, this few this storyline's been going on since since May. Uh, and here we are in October. And as with most WWE storylines, 
they kind of lose focus. They kind of lose steam. It's almost like they run out of ideas and they don't pay as much attention to it here. So it, it's these guys make the most out of it, but it just kind of feels like an afterthought compared to the last few months. Yeah, it does. Um, but you know, it is kind of neat to see, I guess these two in the main event, uh, scene, I guess you could say at this point. Um, but yeah, it is kind of, I mean, I agree. It's just like started at the top and then they just keep going down each time. So, but anyway, we're going to take, take a quick left turn here. And the oh, next yeah. thing that actually happens uh, on the road to bragging rights actually happens the night before bragging rights. So uh, this is Saturday night, October 23rd, 2010. This is UFC 121. What? and Kane in a UFC match. We've uh, covered Raw. We've covered SmackDown. We've covered Saturday night's ECW. main event, ECW, <laughs> main event, Sunday night heat, velocity, uh, shotgun Saturday night. Shotgun Saturday night. You're telling me we're about to cover UFC? We sure are, my pe- my friend. What? We're covering UFC 121. So this actually Kane fights this night. So oh, okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, this is actually Kane Velasquez, though. Oh, so, future WWE superstar. Future WWE superstar <laughs> Kane Velasquez for one time, one time only. <laughs> and you know what's weird about spoiler alert? This is uh, Kane or Taker and Brock Lesnar both lose to Kane this weekend. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> crazy! Is Great that? call. Yes, Kane defeats Brock Lesnar and the Undertaker in the same weekend. Just what an amazing <laughs> statistic! What a great statistic. So, anyway, no, in all seriousness, so this is UFC 121. <laughs> Isn't that great, man? This I'm just awesome. imagining Kane, WWE Kane, against right. Brock Lesnar in the octagon, <laughs> yeah. just, just in his gear, his WWE gear, of course, because oh, that's all he ever wears. Yeah. <laughs> without question. Oh, man. This is from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, which I assume is the old Anaheim Pond. I don't know. But anyway, this is the famous UFC event where, you know, Brock Lesnar uh, gets defeated by Cain Velasquez. This is, you know, future WWE superstar Cain Velasquez defeating former, at the time, WWE champion Brock Lesnar in the main event. So um, I remember this was Brock had a big beard, the scruffy beard, which he didn't normally <laughs> have. And it was kind of weird. And, um, this is one of his final, I believe, matches in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he does. Is this his final one before he goes back in 2016? Or maybe he does one more after this? I can't remember. I don't but recall. It's not that important. But anyway, it was kind of shocking because he loses in the uh, first round, I believe. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the first round. So it was a title fight. Could have gone five rounds. And after the match, Ariel Hawani, who is a famous MMA um, interviewer and, and talking head. He's interviewing the Undertaker in the audience about the fight. And Taker's like, he's like, you know, what are your thoughts on the fight? And Taker says, I, I'm shocked. He's like, you know, I, I knew Brock would come out strong and I thought his chances would be a little better. I thought if they'd gone in the fourth or fifth round and he's keeping, he's answering uh, Ariel Hawani here. And as he does, Brock Lester walks out of the cage and walks right in front of Taker. And they kind of lock eyes. And, uh, I'm actually very surprised. It's almost like you're at a loss for words here. There was Brock Lesnar right there. What did you just say to him? I, I, it's kind of a personal thing. Uh, you know, I think maybe he needs to uh, 
You know, I think he needs to train a little harder. Um, Are you guys cool? Personal. And then Brock just kind of stares at him with a scruffy beard, and I don't know if he winks at him or kind of gives him a little nod or whatever, but he just keeps walking. So it's kind of it's, it's stunned. Like the the UFC world and the the WWE world is kind of shocking at this point because you don't know is this a work, is this a shoot, is this a work shoot going to lead to something? Who knows what's going on? So even in this instance, Ariel Hawani asked Taker, like, you know, what was that about? And Taker's like, it's just a personal thing. He's like, you know, I think Brock needs to train harder and. Helwani's like, you know, are are you guys cool? And Taker says, you know, it's it's personal. And so he's like, well, who are you rooting for tonight? He said, well, I got background with Brock, but you know, that right there just showed you something. So he um, not really. He's kind of being really like pointed close to the vest, which you know, that's the that's the that's the performer in him, you know, the WWE guy um in him. So and Helwani uh, is asking him, like, you know, are you, are you a fan of the sport? Like, I mean, we know you're a fan, but how big a fan are you? And Taker's, and he says that Taker, you know, kind of is responsible for helping bring MMA into WWE. He's like, you know, you got the gloves, you got the Gogo Plata as one of your finishers, and Taker's like, you know, I've been a huge fan for as long as it's been around. And Helwani um, says, you know, if if MMA were as big now as it or big twenty years ago as it is now, would you have done it? And Taker's like, oh. Good heavens, yeah. Like he's like very affirmatively can't even let Helwani get the question out before he answers. Like, yeah, it's, he's like, you know, it's too late now, but it would have been a definite back then. So, um, really, really cool. And again, this was something that went viral that night. Like, it was mm. blowing up online. ESPN had it covered. I remember, and I was telling you before we recorded, I think I watched this live at a friend of mine's house from church in Nashville, but I, I can't claim that. But I remember, if not live, it was within minutes of seeing this that I, I saw it online if not but i just remember this being a huge story and you even wrote in your notes here that the, the original video has over nine million views on helwani's youtube page which that's a lot man just for this little brief interaction between these two so but this led to so much speculation so much craziness uh and again they wouldn't really do anything for another three and a half years together in WWE, but it was really, really cool. What are your thoughts and memories of oh, this yeah. particular night? I remember seeing it the next morning because um, uh, I followed UFC pretty pretty hardcore for a while, but I was kind of out of it uh, by this point. But, I, I mean, I remember seeing it everywhere the next morning and having to scramble to go find the video for it, uh, mm -hmm. probably, I guess, on Twitter or YouTube or something back in the day and just – no one knew. No one knew. Was this a work? Was this a shoot? What's going on? Is right. Uh, is Lesnar coming back to WWE? Is, right. is Taker gonna fight in UFC or right. something? <laughs> like I don't know. And then uh, so it got a lot of buzz, but unfortunately, it, it never really went anywhere at the time. You know, I guess they technically, you know, they did go somewhere four years later. But yeah, uh, I think they they definitely had to be teasing towards something here that just didn't work out. And uh, sure. I watched an interview with uh, with Ariel Hawani and Undertaker from earlier mm -hmm. this year where he's on his last ride yeah. media tour and Ariel Hawani's like, I've been waiting to talk to you for 10 years about this. Yeah. <laughs> like this I've, I've been it's cool. dying to interview you. And um, Undertaker says, yeah, I was there to pick a fight. Like uh, he says Dana White had no clue about any of it. But, uh, but Taker says, I was under the impression that Dana and Vince had both okayed all of this. So... Sounds like Vince sent Taker there. Is like, yeah. no, Dana's cool with yeah. it. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Vince definitely had not done that. And uh, 
Taker does clarify that it was supposed to lead to a wrestling match, not an MMA yeah. match. He's like, yeah, he'd gotten, he says, yeah, beaten up. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't have stood a chance. And yeah, Taker says it wasn't like totally planned. Like he didn't. It was the ball was in Lesnar's court as far as right. Because uh, Ariel Hawani says that was not like the way Lesnar should have gone. That wasn't the way guys normally went down. Like no, I just exactly. He says, that I just happened to be interviewing you because, like, I just thought it was cool that you were there. And, you know, you had that history with Brock. Ariel Hawani says, like, I was not in on any of this. He says he didn't even hear what Taker said originally. Uh, mm-hmm. And he had to go back and watch it. But so, so I think maybe Brock thought he was going to win for sure. And then, you know, maybe he'll go to face Undertaker at WrestleMania or something like that. But then Brock losing just kind of screwed up all the plans or everything and taker you know he still tried to do the tease but brock wasn't really feeling it or something i don't know uh it's hard to say and maybe we'll never truly get to the bottom of it but truly fascinating uh unique moment in the undertaker's history yeah really cool and again like i said kane velasquez (laughs) (laughs) defeated brock lesnar and kane's about to be takers the next night (laughs) but you know that was in l that was in let's say anaheim so and that those pay per views go till like one AM Eastern time. Well then Taker's gonna have to fly to Minneapolis <laughs> for the next night. We're You're at right. Dragon Rights. This is gonna October twenty fourth, two thousand ten from a Target Center in Minneapolis. So this is, you know, I guess they'd be in the central time zone maybe, I think. Anyway, still like he's I mean, he's gonna have a late flight or red eye probably and then getting there to the building the next day and then uh yeah, just He's losing a couple hours of sleep. Exactly, yeah. So That just shows his commitment right there. And, you know, as you said, uh, the Taker said there, just fascinating to think about had MMA been around, you know, in the way that it was in, uh, you know, in the the early 80s, in the career path Undertaker Mm might have taken, you know, we might. We wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't be talking about this. You know, he'd be a um, legend in the mixed martial arts world. Somehow, because uh, <laughs> crazy, yeah, it would be It'd be wild. Texas Red Mark Calloway, would <laughs> <laughs> be Mark Texas Red Calloway, probably. There they always go. put the name in the middle, <laughs> the like, nickname in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what might have been? But uh, as you said here, we're at bragging rights. Um, this is the second and final bragging rights mm-hmm. pay per view. <laughs> Thank God. And they literally say the words. I just can't get over that. Right. Uh, very cinematic opening video package that is, as much as the show is about Raw versus SmackDown, this video package is all about Kane versus oh, Undertaker yeah. only. And it's very horror movie. It's not even the main event of the night. It's not. No. Yeah. Which is, we'll get to that. But uh, it was a cool video package, at least. Uh, spliced in with footage of all their feuds. So that was. Cool to see, and uh, yeah, man, this is going to go on third from the top. How on earth is it not the freaking main event? Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't understand, man, especially with that opening video, but um, I have no idea. But the only match I've seen from this whole entire night is Miz, or excuse me, Ziggler versus Brian, just because I'm such a big deal, Brian fan and Ziggler fans. So I remember going back once I got the network and watching this match uh, just because I had – 
heard about it. So anyway, it's nothing to blow your wig back or anything, but at the time it was a pretty <laughs> fascinating match. So anyway, but really dug it here, but I've never seen this match. I didn't really care to go back and watch this match, but we, of course we did here. But like you said, third from the top, we got King Cole and Stryker on commentary again, and probably the last time, I think. So uh, uh, yeah, it could be for us. Yeah. For us, yeah. yeah. For us on Talking Taker here. So good I think riddance. You may be right. Matt Thank Stryker. God. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. We'll bury you alive. Raise a toast. <laughs> yes. We'll bury this. <laughs> uh, and then we get a we get a visit from our friend Massive Tool Josh Matthews. Um, and he's actually standing inside the Buried Alive grave. Uh, he runs yeah. through the rules of the match. No pins, no submissions, no DQs, no countouts, and says the final chapter between the Brothers of Destruction will be written here tonight. And uh, I do have to give them a little bit of credit here because, as you uh, famously pointed out back when Stone Cold faced Undertaker in a Buried Alive match in 1998, and Michael Cole was standing in the grave, and Stone Cold and Undertaker were fighting in the six-foot-deep grave, and they're (laughs) at their knees, basically. (laughs) Josh Matthews is actually pretty much... Totally inside this grave. You know, they, a they, short guy. <laughs> they film it from above it, so it looks even deeper. But it is—it's closer to six feet. Uh, sure, this one is deeper. Yeah, <laughs> it is—it is slightly deeper here. Yeah, and then you know, in addition to that, at the beginning of the show, they're—they're they're running down the main event in the card and stuff. And Matt Stryker says, "Perhaps only once in a lifetime do you get to see someone buried alive." <laughs> We've covered four of these. <laughs> And they say that on commentary and later all on. In my lifetime, and yes. your lifetime, and Undertaker's lifetime, but I don't know, man. He's just like, dude. And why is that an exciting thing? Oh, perhaps only once in a lifetime do you get to see someone buried in a lifetime. Like, yes, is that something you get popcorn and watch for? Well, like what? what the that's heck? what they're hoping here. They're hoping you spent fifty dollars yeah. to see somebody buried alive. <laughs> Now, he does have a cool comment here. I do want to give him props of his last night, his last appearance here on Talking Taker. So we get the ominous music. The camera zooms in on the grave site. You see the excavator or the bulldozer or whatever. You're, I don't know all my large farm equipment, but, but <laughs> large uh, equipment. But anyway, it's it's sitting there. And um, Matt Stryker says, perhaps tonight is the last waltz in a graveyard symphony. So I really liked that. That was, that was a nice little comment there. And we zoom in on that tombstone there, and you can see the – the grave there and you it's the tombstone has the date and it says king versus taker on it so uh very very cool and i wish that uh, i wish they sold many like replicas of that oh. or like a buried alive set with like that that'd be really really cool that would but be that cool. date on it like stamped on it'd be awesome so. you know those are sitting in the wwe archives all the headstones from oh, the buried yeah. alive matches those are oh yeah such cool unique pieces i'd love to figure out a way to get one of those <laughs> be amazing well, good luck because they weigh like six billion pounds according <laughs> to michael cole every time every time they get like heavier yes they, they are weigh pretty as heavy. much as the titanic how the f gonna lift that <laughs> oh well uh we get that uh video package again uh it's similar to the one at the beginning of the show it's actually yeah. slightly longer it's got even more footage of canon triggers history edited into it and uh, The Undertaker is going to come out first, uh, yeah. which is rare, but, you know, Kane is the world champion, so it's understandable. And he's got the sleeveless robe with the hood on for this event, and he's going to make that standard big entrance, all the smoke, all the flames, all that good stuff, as 
Michael Cole notes what you just said in your notes. Uh, <laughs> there have actually been four previous yeah. Buried Alive matches in history. Uh, we've covered all of them because Undertaker's yep. been in all of them. Exactly. And, uh, the Undertaker has competed in all of them. He is um, two and two in the previous four Buried Alive matches, even though he was actually buried in the match with Mankind, the very first one. Uh, it's easy to forget this, but he did actually technically win that match. Right. Um, he threw Mankind in the grave and they rung the bell, but then Mankind got up out of it with the Executioner and buried Undertaker oh, into dear. the grave. So uh, <laughs> the only time he did not actually get buried alive, um, including tonight, was with uh, the tag team match on SmackDown. Undertaker and Big Show versus Rock and Suck. That was the only time right. Taker escaped uh, being buried alive. Yeah, exactly. So a really cool, um, just little nuance here that pros like him do. He stops near the gravesite. Again, it's set up near the entranceway with the big mound of dirt and the grass on top with the you know the, the hole dug in it. But he stops as he's making his way down and kind of just stares at it and it, you know takes it all in for a minute because you know that could be his final burial place or whatever. And then he you know walks the rest of the way to the ring, makes it makes the, the lights come up and. Um, you know, Michael Cole even says, you know, perhaps the Undertaker's career may lay to rest tonight in that grave since Kane is dominated in the last few months. So I appreciate them bringing the storyline consistency into it. So, yeah, absolutely. And Kane's going to do a similar thing as he comes out. He comes out with Paul Bearer next to him and he sort of does a double take uh, when he walks by the grave site and stares at it for a moment. But before he can think too much about it, the Undertaker is going to come meet him in the aisleway and start yes. throwing hands with him, which is a throwback to the Attitude Era and exactly what should happen in this yep. match between these two guys. There's no reason for them to wait around and do a collar and elbow tie-up. Nope, exactly. I was I love the beginning of this match right here. It was great. Taker's getting the best of Kane here. crowd is hot for Taker, man, just cheering him on. Chant for Minneapolis is really, really digging him here. And then... Matt Stryker goes on, I don't even know, man. He says that on SmackDown, the Undertaker pulled Kane into a dark, mysterious hole under the <laughs> sacred ground of the ring. <laughs> what? So under the ring, there's a dark, mysterious hole in the sacred ground? Yeah. I don't, where, I don't know, man. That's where the little people's court is. Exactly. You know, it's it's an alternate universe under there. Oh man, I was just like, dude, sh I couldn't wait for this guy to shut up, man. He, he tries, he tries way too hard. Yes. It's, yes. it's so annoying. It's just like, dude, just quit trying, just be you. Like, I don't understand, man. <laughs> I Maybe don't think there is him. him. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. But yeah, uh, that was just too much, man. It's awful. Uh, well, the brothers go brawling around ringside, just like it's the Attitude Era, man. They're yep. throwing each other into the stairs, into the barricade. Uh, they end up getting into the ring momentarily, and Undertaker hits a couple running splashes into Kane, into the corner. Uh, Kane runs away and tries to run through the crowd. Uh, Kane actually gets a few uppercuts, uh, but Undertaker maintains control and uh taker follows kane up the stairs and into like the second level of the crowd and throwing some more punches and stomps into him here is uh it's, it's a lot more uh similar to their no holds barred match from a few weeks ago much more than the hell in a cell match obviously 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very, very brawly. And at one point here, even uh, Taker does a throat slash toward Bear, which is pretty, pretty cool. I love that. You know, he's hasn't forgot the betrayal of Paul Bear from from three weeks ago. I guess it was. Um, so, like you said, they're fighting over the production area. Kane's retreating up the steps. Taker's actually steps on Kane's head. He's just holding his head down <laughs> on the ground, which is pretty cool because the crowd's just right. They're in the crowd here, and the crowd's just like, yeah, yeah, they're just oh, yeah. freaking out, man. They're loving it so. Taker's punching Kane as he's sitting on steps and kneeing Kane in the gut and uppercutting him. And Kane's getting a couple small punches here and there, but Taker's really dominating him here really early on. Throws him back over the barricade and then throws a chair in the ring. And then he throws two chairs in the ring. <laughs> then he throws a third chair in the ring. And yes. I was just going to keep on going, man. It was just great. He throws three chairs in the ring. He's like, I'm not done yet. So He's like Terry Funk. Exactly. Just like throwing chairs in <laughs> yeah. the ring for no reason. <laughs> That's exactly what I envisioned. So good. Terry Funk. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, man. Uh, Taker goes for the apron offense. He connects with it. Leg drop on the cane on the apron. And then... Undertaker, he's going nuts, man. He rips off the top of the yeah. announce table and tosses that into the ring as well, dude. He's just he's on fire here. Yep. He grabs a grabs a chair here right behind Kane, but as he's gonna get ready to hit Kane with it, Kane powders out of the ring and the crowd just floods him with booze and Taker just follows him out and sends him over the barricade back to the opposite <laughs> side of the crowd. So they brawled on one side, the hard cam side. Now they're brawling on the side that faces the hard cam. So hey, battle up the stairs and they just kind of punch each other up the stairs and punch each other right down the stairs. So they're just getting a little bit of getting the crowd invested in it. So and uh, he tosses Kane over the barricade, and when he does, the whole padding rips off of the barricade there and just strips it bare, which is kind of funny. So that wasn't a planned spot. No, it was not. <laughs> but it's good here, man. Uh, there, Kane tries to back off, but Undertaker just keeps bringing the fight to him. He's dominating him here. Um, Kane gets into the ring first, though, and grabs one of the chairs that Taker threw in the ring and nails Taker with it a few times into the gut and into the back. Uh, Kane chokes Taker with the chair, hits yep. a few more shots to the back, and uh, then Kane settles for the goozle and hits, uh, I believe, the first wrestling move in 10 minutes here in this, <laughs> this match. <laughs> he, he hits a choke slam. And uh, it's going to be one of the only wrestling moves that takes place in yeah. this entire match. Absolutely. Yeah, he hits that first choke slam, and then Taker struggles to get up and turns around, and Kane goozles him again and choke slams him again. And, uh, you know, the the commentary stand here, like, that's great, but you got to get your opponent to the burial site, you know? So Kane drags Taker by the feet, uh, you know, almost on cue from the commentary, puts him over his shoulder and starts carrying him up the aisleway. So. Uh, Taker slips out, obviously, and uppercuts Kane as they, you know, make their way up to the burial site, and they're trading shots back and forth, doing the yeah, boo, yeah, boo spot. So Taker actually gets the best of Kane here, and wallops him one good time, and Kane falls flat on his back. So from the punch from his big brother. So Kane tries to escape. He tries to crawl up towards the grave, and Undertaker follows. Of course, he does the throat slash. He goozles Kane, but Kane elbows out of it. Uh, Kane hits a big boot and knocks Undertaker down. And then Kane gets down on his knees and he's going to try to drag Undertaker into the grave. But Undertaker locks in the Hell's Gate right there on the ground uh, next to the grave size, choking 
Kane. Kane's tapping out, but of course that's meaningless. Mm-hmm. And uh, by this point, Paul Bearer has waddled his way up to the no. cave and is uh, just looking over at the brothers uh, in despair. Uh, Kane is unconscious and Taker tosses him into the grave and the crowd pops huge. They think Undertaker's going to finish this thing off and reclaim the world title. Yep. And like you said, Bear, he's like sneaking and like looking over the headstone. And I think what he's doing is hitting some switches on the back for what's about to happen after the match because he's got his hand on the back side of it. If you notice his Mm. left hand's back there, but I think he's doing some, you know, mechanical work, sleight of hand, if you will, um, up there. But anyway, yeah, he's just kind of leaning on the headstone, watching over it, like for no apparent reason, but getting the, getting a, a, a closer eye on it. So, but anyway, like you said, yeah, Kane is uh, in the grave at this point, and Bear is leaning and shouting to Kane, like "Come on, come on!" And Taker then looks and makes eye contact with Paul Bear here, and the crowd just pops because they want to see Bear get his come up and here, you know. So he's begging for mercy, and Taker's shaking his head, and then. Taker decides to, after all the betrayal, multiple years of betrayal, um, you know, and especially this, this this newest betrayal from Paul Bear. How do you get back at this guy? You stick his face in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> he just shoves the side of his head in the that dirt. That was it. That was it. That's your revenge right there. <laughs> like he's a three-year-old or something. <laughs> yeah. Like on the playground. <laughs> Well, uh, that's not enough, though. Taker's going to goozle Paul, and he's going to about to toss him into the grave when David Otunga, out of nowhere, comes in to make the save for Kane. What the heck? (laughs) What? Uh, It's not just him, thankfully, but he is the first one to strike Undertaker. But the Nexus, which at this point is just Otunga, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, and Wade Barrett. It's just down mm-hmm. to four guys at this point. But they come out from the back and lay a beating on The Undertaker as Kane crawls out of the grave. And the audience in the arena and watching at home are just like, what the heck is going on here? It's like a record scratch. <laughs> like, it's just all of a sudden, it's like, what? I don't remember any, like, real backstory there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, and honestly, it doesn't really go very much of anywhere either. And again, you yep. speculated last week about how possibly there was going to be a Wade Barrett Undertaker feud, maybe even a match at WrestleMania, but that obviously doesn't happen here. We're going to get Triple H instead, but you know, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird here, but Kane comes out of the grave coffin and, uh, Nexus is beating him down. Kane has the urn. He just nails Taker in the head with it and then Taker winds up flipping in the grave, and Kane throws the urn down onto him, and then uh, Heath and Wade just start shoveling dirt on Undertaker, like like it's what they're supposed to be doing. And then Kane's like, <laughs> basically telling him to scram and get out of here. So he's like shooing the Nexus away at this point, even though they're helping him win. I don't understand, but uh, then he does his pyroton, like he lifts his hands up and brings his arms down, and when he does. His music hits, and these flames shoot up behind the headstone. And apparently he has magical uh, construction powers when he does this because <laughs> the red light comes on, and that excavator or bulldozer or whatever it is dumps a boatload of dirt on the Undertaker here. And so Kane's going to win this match at 17 minutes flat here. So crazy. Yes, a uh, strange ending. It's... It, 
certainly feels like it's the beginning of something new between Undertaker and the Nexus or right. just Wade Barrett or maybe Undertaker and Heath Slater was planned for WrestleMania 27. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Would have loved that. one, man. <laughs> That's your uh, last waltz into a graveyard there symphony right there. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, it uh, as we'll talk about next week, it's more of just like they don't quite know how to get out of this. So they, they yep. book something and we'll figure it out later. But then they don't actually figure it out later. But yeah, Kane, for the third pay-per-view in a row, gets a win over his brother after losing to him in every match for 13 years. So pretty huge stuff here. Um, Undertaker gets buried alive like he does anytime there's a buried alive match and <laughs> yeah. uh, Kane immediately grabs the world title and he and Bearer get the heck out of there uh, Kane's music is playing and the, the camera zooms in on the headstone but suddenly the gong hits the lights go out lightning strikes the headstone and flames shoot up and then Undertaker's music starts playing as mm-hmm. we see that extreme T symbol or, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. The Undertaker symbol, the cross, the T with the X's over it there, uh, projected in light upon that grave marker here. Uh, we don't see Undertaker's hand jump up out of the grave, but this is sort of no. some sort of symbol that the Undertaker is not dead, even though he may be buried here. Uh, so yeah. we cut to the commentary team, and uh, Jerry the King Lawler... <laughs> says this is the strangest sight he's ever seen because he thought this was all about shoveling dirt on your opponent not using a machine and uh i just thought king you, we, you've literally seen every right. been a ringside for almost every other buried alive match what are you and talking everyone about? except the first one when they realized shoveling takes way too long uh-huh. has used a you know a, a machine uh-huh. to do it so yeah i don't know he just Matt Striker wore off on him or something. I don't know. But, you know, to cut the tension and the seriousness of this, why don't we just cut backstage immediately to Matt? I mean, to Josh Matthews grinning like an idiot. That's exactly <laughs> yes. what we do. Come on, man. It's like, the- yeah. Didn't the same thing happen when Vince buried Taker alive at, at Survivor Series 2003? Yes. yes. Same exact thing, right? Yes. It was like super like ominous and like Taker's buried and dead and gone. And it's like, Cut backstage to an idiot. It's going to move on. So, oh man. If you're going to have a match where someone is buried alive, like, yeah. you want us to buy into this ridiculous over the top stipulation, you can't just go to the back and be like, all right, ne- up next, we've got Ian Torres. Like, <laughs> this, this has to be the main event, man. Come on. Yeah. Oh, it does. I know, man. And I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was I was baffled by that choice, honestly. Like, how do we get from here to here? Oh, let's just go to Josh Matthews and Eve Torres. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, anyway. But, well, how? What do you think of this compared to the uh, the other two matches in this trilogy? Well, I was thinking in my head. I'm thinking like as you're kind of recalling the Nexus's involvement. I was thinking, okay, a Night of Champions, Kane defeated him clean, right? He beat him. I mean, Taker mm-hmm. was wounded and weakened, right? And so Taker beat him. I mean, mm-hmm. Kane beat him clean, right? The next month at Hell in a Cell, it had to take Paul Bear's 
turn on him to defeat Taker. The next month at Buried Alive match, it takes four other guys. So isn't that backwards storytelling? Shouldn't the first sure. time he wins yeah. have to take a bunch of guys the second time? It takes well a betrayal the third time he finally gets to pin over him clean. Like, I don't know, man. Like, to me, it's like when you write a story, you write the end first usually, and you build backwards from that. Um, and when I write songs, a lot of times if I'm telling the story and I kind of have the you know the mm. climax of the song, and then I, I build backwards from there. But anyway, um, this seems like like you said, like they just painted something to like Night of Champions was great, like they loved it, it came off well, it was really well done. Then they're like, yeah, let's just do it another two, another two, you know, two pay per views because they're only in like five a uh, five week span. Might as well just cram in more two more matches. So I really do feel like they may have just been like, oh, let's just cram these in here and didn't didn't think backwards from it, you know. So that just kind of occurred to me as you were talking about the the way the match was going. But honestly, to me, I'll, I, I'll put Night of Champions first as the best one, in my opinion. I really dug it. Uh, this one second, and then Hell in a Cell third, because that was my least favorite of these three matches. By yeah, I feel, I, I feel pretty much the exact same way, man. Uh, this one uh, felt like Night of Champions match uh, just part due. Uh, it was... Not quite as good. You know, very mm-hmm. lot of matches are tough. Uh, that first they one with, with Undertaker and Mankind was actually really, really fun. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a very, very difficult match to actually lay out and do, make it compelling and, and make it an interesting match. Only so much you can do with that stipulation. Uh, it's, it's tough to do. But uh, they tried here and fighting into the crowd. Uh, they did some fun things with it. Um, but yeah, the, the ending is so strange. Um you know, this whole Kane build, making him into this monster, like passing on the power of the Undertaker to him, had so much potential. And, you yes. know, I, I loved all that build up during the summertime up to SummerSlam and all the mystery with Undertaker. It was so cool to watch that back. But I think it doesn't get remembered well because it it doesn't go anywhere. Like, we'll talk about it right. next week. Uh, but. Yeah, come WrestleMania. Yeah, he's a joke. He's he's mm-hmm. back to babyface, and he's uh, he does one move at WrestleMania in an eight yep. man tag. He does he yep. does a top rope clothesline, and yep. uh, the week before WrestleMania, he's Kane is doing Santino's trombone. Yep, move. It's like oh, he's I'm been the, for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was hilarious. But he's the biggest heel in the world for yeah. six months. And there's yep. just no end game for it, man. Yep, uh, that's exactly. so disappointing here. And uh, the Nexus stuff doesn't go anywhere. It's just a big what might have been. Uh, some cool stuff that, that could have happened, but it just never it never did. It, it never really led to anything, and that's the big disappointment here. Yeah, come WrestleMania, Nexus has a match with himself, basically. <laughs> Nexus <laughs> 1.0 versus Nexus 2.0. Yeah. No, 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 it's not. No, it's, it's the core versus it's the core. Kane, yeah. right? Yeah, sorry. Kane, they're Big feuding. Show, Santino. Yeah, they're feuding, but then the core, which is basically Nexus, is fighting Kane again. So, yeah. Yeah, they wind up fighting each other at WrestleMania. So, I don't know. It's anyway. a big waste of time. Yeah. So, anywho. But, uh, you know, this was quite the era for The Undertaker. So, we'll, you know, the original Dead Man era was 1992. 1999 then we had the uh the big evil the biker taker era from 2000 to 2004 and uh this is basically the return of the dead man that took place from wrestlemania 20 uh march 2004 undertaker versus kane all the way here to bragging rights 2010 
uh, on Jacob versus Kane yet again. And then next week on the show, we'll start uh, the final era of the Undertaker. It's crazy to think that we've we've reached that yeah. point, the last outlaw era, uh, where he is, you know, he's reached his final form, his his final mm-hmm. evolution here. But uh, before we get into the top ten of this era, which I know you guys have all been waiting for with bated breath to hear us talk about, I uh, just want to hit some stats for this six year era. Uh, we covered 53 pay-per-view matches that The Undertaker had during this era, uh, along with some bonus episodes during that time, but 53 pay-per-view matches. 17 of those times, he was in the main event of the show. Uh, mm. Plus, I didn't count, he was also in three Royal Rumbles that were the main event of the night. So, uh, basically about a third 20. of the time, yeah. he was in the, the main event, and even more so if you count the Royal Rumbles. Uh, yeah. He, of course, had his first Royal Rumble victory during this era in 2007. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had three world title reigns during this era. Didn't hold any other secondary titles during this time, but held the world title three times and spent 207 days total as world champion during these six <clears throat> years. So, um, And he did he only hold... He only held the world title during correct. this era, right? He never yes. held... Well, yeah, he never holds another title again, but he, like, because in the the middle era, you know, with the American BA is where he won another tag title and and hardcore and stuff like that. So then before that, he had done the same. So, um, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, and you know, I, we talked about it on an earlier episode. I don't remember which one, but man, I when I think about that big gold belt, when I think about WWE's version of that world title, you know, when I think about the big gold belt. I think Ric Flair more than anybody. But if I think right. the world title in WWE, um, I think Edge, I, I think, think Batista, Edge, yeah. and I think The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he only held it for 207 days. He really wasn't that mm-hmm. – didn't have huge reigns as the world champion. But, man, for some reason, even before we started this podcast, if you asked me who I associated with that title, he'd be one of the first guys that came to mind. Yeah, I'd always think Edge and Batista, but yeah, he'd probably be number three. But yeah, it's it's uh, funny. It's cool that he's won a world title in every you know incarnation, I guess you could say. So that's pretty neat. Yep, yep, yep. Pretty neat. Yeah, one of the most decorated champions of all time. But uh, as we said, I think he's number he's number seven or eight on the all time titles list. Uh, we talked about that. At one point, um, he'll probably get surpassed eventually sure. at, at some point by some guys. But uh, he'll, he'll be near the top of that list. Uh, very few guys will ever hold as many world titles as him. But uh, an incredible run, a great six years to add to his legacy and to build him up uh, to have this final run that will kick off next week. Uh, very, very special episode next week yeah. as we cover WrestleMania 27. Uh, the third part of The Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, uh, uh, Quadrilogy, whatever you call it there, mm-hmm. Tetralogy, um, as Undertaker fixes Triple H for the first time there um, in that four-match series. And we were there! We always ask yes, you guys we what it was like if you were there in person, but a huge WrestleMania. Not only were we there, it took place two hours 
from the city where we lived and grew exactly. up. They only WrestleMania to take place in our home state of Georgia. <laughs> so yeah. if you guys love the personal stories, if you guys love hearing about the times when we got to be at the show, tune in next week because we have oh, a yeah. so many. full <laughs> slate of great stories. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but we had a, we had a blast at WrestleMania that yeah. weekend, and we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. So it'll be good. But I'm also looking forward to getting this top 10 uh, countdown in the way. We have not spoken of these to each other. Again, we're fairly confident we know the top several. But it's going to be interesting to hear that kind of our bottom few here as our top 10 as we go back and forth here and just describing what we think encapsulates the top 10 matches of this era. Or, you know, I kind of looked at them as if I got to take 10 matches with me from this era, which 10 would I take? You know, if I can only watch 10 these are ten that define this era to me and that I want to watch again, you know, so. Yes, that's a great way to look at it because, you know, there was so. That's why Luther Reigns is number one. <laughs> Absolutely. Without question. There's not even, no even need to mention that. But, know, uh, that was a year ago today that I posted that teaser as we're recording this because it came up <laughs> on my Facebook, Facebook memories today. Nice. <laughs> the teaser for No Way Out 05. Sorry, I want to interrupt you there. No, no. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so many. There's like four edge matches. There's like four or five Batista matches. And they're all great. Like I, it was hard for me to pick which edge and which Batista matches to put into here. Uh, because I wanted to, I wanted to bring a little bit of variety into my top 10 list. So um, I, if I really picked the best, you know, maybe I would have put, four edge matches in here because they're all really great but I, but I didn't do that I wanted to bring uh, some different stuff in here um, and try to represent the era as best as I could but yeah I think you and I are, are gonna have I think honestly the top seven Five. well yeah, seven, I, I think maybe. even more than that I think are gonna be the same matches I think we may have them in different orders um, so we'll talk about that uh, but I want to give we haven't really done this for our other top tens. I want to give one quick honorable mention. Uh, I don't think it's on your list. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, like I said, we haven't talked about this. My number 11 that I want to give for this ranking, I just want to point it out because it was so bizarre that it even came into my mind. I never would have thought this would have even gotten consideration for me for my top 10. Undertaker versus JBL from No Mercy 2004. I just freaking thought that mm-hmm. match was so entertaining. And we came into mm-hmm. this podcast as huge JBL haters. Yes. One of our least favorite wrestlers of all time. But watching it back, he was so darn good at his job. Yep. And that was such a fun brawl. And I just, it, it, stu- it stuck in my mind this whole time. And I, I really wanted to include it here, but um, the other top, Same. I just couldn't put it in my top 10. But it's right outside there, and mm-hmm. uh, I just want to, you know, I wanted to make mention of that uh, and pay our respects to JBL because he he's one of the, the things that we did during this podcast where he completely changed my opinion on him. Yep, absolutely. No, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I don't have JBL matching my top 10, but, yeah, he's right there on the cusp, on the outside looking in, so... But yeah, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with you there. Do you have another one that's not in your top ten that like was was close to going in there that uh, w- was really on the cusp for you? No, because honestly, about the ter- top seven, I was like, oh, duh, these are all easy. Maybe even eight, my number eight. 
it was picking nine and ten. I really had okay. to like sit there and look through our episodes and be like which one, which ones would I want to like do over and relive and rewatch them, and, and which ones do I think kind of define this part and maybe part of his championship runs or whatever. But and then that was the only other one that like after I put numbers you know nine and ten, eight nine and ten in, I was like okay JBL would have been the only one other than that. So now I don't have anybody else that I would have thrown in there. So really. Why don't you kick it off, man? Give us your top ten, and we'll go uh, back and forth uh, with yeah. our top ten list, and tell us what was your number ten. All right, my number ten. So, and this one is kind of just, uh, well, here it's episode one hundred, WrestleMania twenty, Taker versus Kane. Again, uh, okay. I put that there because this is the return of the Dead Man character, the return of Paul Bear. We were there, and for me, it's just too nostalgic to leave off the top ten. I have it at number ten. I almost left it. Like I said, it's hard to pick those last nine or ten ones and i didn't really know but i was like you know what i've got to put that one on here because that's what kicked off this era again we were there and just i remember i can i can remember the feeling when we heard paul bear scream through <laughs> madison square garden and we just i mean we were how old eight 17 you were or you're 18 i was 17, 17 and 18 yeah. like yeah. just freaking out like i'm 10 years old just hearing that and just just being in awe of that entrance again we hadn't seen in years and just uh that's my number 10 man Wow, I was uh, I'm surprised that did not make I my top that ten list. You, yeah. yeah, I know I it did. That would surprise you. That's great. I love it. Um, I think a lot of our listeners are going to agree with you on that one. Um, you know, not it's a great moment. Classic. Yeah, that's the thing with me. Like, I love the Undertaker Kane rivalry. I love watching it back. Their matches. You know, I don't. They're just mm-hmm. they don't do it for me um, all that much. But now I respect that pick. Uh, my number ten. It was uh, not one that struck out to me, but it w- when I was going, I was scrolling back through the matches. I was trying to remember them. I remember just really enjoying this match. It's sort of a sprint, um, and probably maybe not the most memorable to other people, but I, I thought it was such fun. I went with Armageddon 2007, Edge versus Batista versus Undertaker in a triple threat match. Uh, this is the one where the Edgeheads debut, Kurt Hawkins mm, and Zack yeah. Ryder. And I think it's it's only maybe like 10 or 12 minutes, but yeah. it's, it's all action. It reminded me of Attitude Era uh, mm-hmm. style stuff. Man, I, I just thought it was a really um, fun way to move on from the Batista feud into the yep. Edge feud, which are two of his best feuds, and uh, sort of a hidden gem, in my opinion. Yeah, I respect that, man. I did not have that on my list here, but those two guys are going to show up, obviously, on both our lists. I'm sure yeah, you can't no you can't discuss this era without those two guys. But yeah, that no one question. was a fun one. Definitely, you know, that's a sleeper match. Like you don't think it's going to be great, but it was a really fun little sprint there. So, well, in that same vein, my number nine is um, another fun little sprint that surprised the heck out of both of us. Uh, not a moment of slowdown in it. Constant action. This is a recent one. It's episode 152, Bragging Rights 2009, Taker versus CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio versus Batista for the World Heavyweight title. I just remember just being so shocked and surprised by how fun that was, man. And again, just thinking, like, those are four freaking Hall of Famers. Like, and this has a fun match. He's got history with all those guys, or he will make history with them, you know, later on, like but Mysterio and stuff. But really, really fun match, a fun little sprint that we recommended highly to our listeners. It's also my number nine. 
Yep. Really? Same thing. <laughs> yep. Dude, it's uh, it's it's underrated. It's slept on. Uh, no one ever talks about this match. Uh, it's yes. on a forgotten pay per view. Nope. Um, it really it doesn't have huge stakes to it, so it doesn't really matter in the long run of things. But man, I mm-hmm. I recommend. Uh, anybody, if you didn't watch it when we talked about it a few weeks ago, go back and watch it, man. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not very long, but it is no. very fun. It's all action all the way through. Yeah. Well, it's going to take me to number eight, and this one is going to be episode 127, WrestleMania 23, Taker vs. Batista for the World Heavyweight title. Mm. And again, I have this here because it's, I think we both said this. This was Taker's first great WrestleMania match since he came back as a dead man, in our opinion. We, we kind of dug the Randy Orton one. Uh, the t- Kane one was what it was. The the one before that with, with Mark Henry is, you know, not that great. But this one was his first really great WrestleMania match, in my opinion, as when he came back as a dead man. I love that. They put a clinic on. It's his first WrestleMania world or first world title win in ten years. So, just for all those reasons and just how fun it was, and it still stands out on that pay per view to me. I put that one there at number eight. Yeah, you described it perfectly. Um, it's coming up later on my list, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, my number eight, I went with versus Rey Mysterio at Royal Rumble oh. two thousand ten. Um, Another match that surprised me. I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have. You know, if, if you think back to some of Undertaker's greatest matches, it's against smaller yep. guys. Uh, but for some reason, I, at the time when I watched it live, I was just like, why? Why are we doing Like, you know, Undertaker, Ramster doesn't seem a chance against Undertaker. This is dumb. Like, why are we doing this? But another match that's perfect for what it is. It's not very long. Yep. It shouldn't be very long, but... Undertaker gives Rey Mysterio just enough, and Rey Mysterio is just so freaking good, man. He is yep. one of the absolute best. Even here in 2020, he is so darn good at what he does. He's a very yep. special performer, and uh, him and Undertaker, I wish they'd had more matches. They had a few mm-hmm. TV matches, but this was their only pay-per-view one-on-one match. Yep. And it's just really fun, uh, and uh, that's why I put it at number eight. I can respect that. Okay, let me rewind a minute. If a number eleven, my honorable mention probably would have been that match. Then. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right because yeah. I, I I actually did wrestle with that one. I had to put Kane versus Taker at WrestleMania 20 above it actually. Mm. So yeah, I did have that one on the outside looking in. So yeah, I respect that man for sure. We're on number seven now, I think, right? Yeah. So um, number seven for me is uh, a man who will show up more than once for me. Uh, episode 139, one, Extreme Rules, One Night Stand, whatever it's called, One Night Stand, Extreme Rules 2008, Taker vs. Edge, World Heavyweight Title, TLC match. Absolutely no business for Taker being in a TLC match. Shouldn't be as good as it is. Everything a TLC match should be. I went back and reread our, both of our notes for this match. Just We just ran and raved about how great and everything. It was just so much, so well done of a TLC match. I'm just really... Uh, and it's not the final chapter in their feud here, but it's just a really, really, really good match with a ridiculous spot Taker takes to those tables. So, Oh, yeah. It's a uh, fantastic match. It's so unexpected, and it just shows you the many layers to Undertaker as a performer, shows you how he's evolved as a performer, that he's been able to go into a match like this. Um, you know, I talked earlier how... I had to pare down my Undertaker and Edge choices. I didn't pick this one. I picked a different. I picked two different Undertaker versus Edge matches. Other than that one, I can't argue with that. Though you know, you, you're making me question that choice. But uh, I'll get to that here in a minute. 
Uh, my number seven was your number eight uh, versus Batista at WrestleMania mm, 23. Yep. Um, I think some of our listeners would probably rank that one higher uh, than we rank it, but um, I have a different Undertaker versus Batista match a little bit higher in my list. Uh, Me too. This, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one is great, though. I wouldn't argue yes. with anybody putting it higher. It's, again, you think Undertaker versus Batista, you don't think a five-star classic. Man, right. it, these two, especially at that time, Batista... This was a real coming out party for him. Yes, that's the thing. Yep. Yeah, you know, his best matches ever were probably against Undertaker, um, which you wouldn't expect. He'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, these guys just had such chemistry together, and they went out at WrestleMania 23 with a point to prove. You know, they kind of fell shafted by not being in the main event that night, and they proved it, man. They proved they could have easily gone on last that yep. night, and uh, Undertaker yep. really... It was sort of a coming out party for Undertaker in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, too, making him that uh, not just the streak guy, but the guy who comes out and has the match of the night at WrestleMania. Exactly. Yeah, you know, if if, if Batista's feud with Triple H put him on the map, his feud with Taker, specifically this match, put him on, like, the globe, if that makes sense. Like, the like, like take a small map and then expand it out to the entire globe map. Like, he just... It made him a bigger star, you know, going one-on-one with Taker at WrestleMania. So, yeah, I absolutely respect that. So, we're moving on to number six here. So, I just had my number seven was Taker versus Edge at One Night Stand. Number six is the very next episode we covered, episode 140, The SummerSlam 2008, Taker versus Edge, Hell in a Cell. The, in my opinion, perfect ending to that feud that brought little pieces of their entire 18-month feud into it. So many nuances, so many callbacks to the Hell in a Cell from the year before, where Edge redebuted against you know when Taker was fighting Batista. Just the perfect again. We mentioned the Batman versus Jory, Jory versus Joker story. Excuse me, I got ahead of myself. The Batman versus Joker story, the way Edge literally borrowed from the Dark Knight movie. He, he's talked about on podcast about you know that character and how he went nuts and everything. Just seeing that all come to an end here was just to me. Just perfect, perfect, perfect storytelling. So I've got that at my number six. Same. Well, it's also my number six. (laughs) Yep, that's where I put it for all those same reasons. I just thought it was the perfect ending to this storyline. Yes. And I just love that bookend of it. It's Is the TLC match a better match? In some ways, yes. Um, But when you take the whole four match exactly. I think it's four match series and everything leading up to it all the stuff with Vicky Guerrero and all of that you know sending Undertaker away and bringing him back and Undertaker sending Edge down into hell at the end of the match it's yep. sports entertainment at its best um, yes and you know I was trying to limit myself and that's why I picked that as uh, one of my Undertaker versus Edge matches I got another one uh, here shortly yeah, I was trying to limit, but it was really hard when these matches oh, were yeah. so freaking good, man. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, this cracks our top five here now. So, this my top five, uh, you know, is going to be episode 128, Backlash 2007, Taker versus Batista, last man standing World Heavyweight title match. These two, again, this is the month after WrestleMania uh, 23, and these guys go on to have a rematch in last man standing. They never disappointed us, but this one stole the show for me at this night. You and I were there in the arena 
uh, Vince versus uh, winning the ECW <laughs> title did not steal the show. Yeah, the fatal yeah. fatal four way at the end was great, but these guys killed it. And I just the ending to the match is so perfect, and it's just it's a piece of the longer story, and I love it. But again, uh, really, really phenomenal match. Same. That's also my number five. <laughs> uh, we may be biased because we were there, and, and right. you know, I'll, I'll freely admit that. But Certainly. you know, when we watched it back, uh, I thought it was equal if not better with the wrestlemania match and that's why i put it a little bit mm-hmm. higher here there's such a high bar to cover um in any type of sequel whether it's a movie or, or book or whatever but to have a wrestling match that the second one is even better than the first one that's very difficult to do but these yes. guys went out and did it they they played off of that first one they proved that it was not just a uh you know a one-hit wonder or something like that. They went and had just as awesome of a match and um, a great finish that keeps the story going. Um, yeah, absolute classic. Absolutely, man. Well, number four for me is episode 135, WrestleMania 24, the main event, Taker vs. Edge, World Heavyweight title match. So, again, uh, it's not the end of the story. The story gets built more and more, but just watching these two in the main event – we got to watch this at our buddy Caleb's house. So it's just great. Um, it's again, it's kind of the the rebeginning of their story from 2007, but uh, it, it goes on here, and it's just it's phenomenal, man. I'll let you talk more about it because I'm sure it's your number four too. It is it? my number four. Uh, I'm interested if our top three are the same. Uh, I know we've got the same three. I, I wonder if they're in the same order, but uh, right, yeah, man. Edge versus uh, Undertaker WrestleMania 24. Up to that point. You know, before WrestleMania 25, it's the best Undertaker WrestleMania match of all time. Exactly. Easily. Like, they absolutely crush it out there. Um, Both guys put it all out there. Just incredible storytelling. It's got all the bells and whistles. You got Hawkins and Ryder doing their running. Mm -hmm. You got Charles Robinson running uh, down the... (laughs) Three mile entryway, (laughs) you know, sliding into the ring. You got the first time the Hell's Gate really gets over as a finisher. Um, Just a great spectacle, the great open air arena uh, in Orlando. Just a fantastic match, fantastic show. And, uh, you know, it's the rare time that, uh, you know, this is the beginning of that story in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And it, um, it kind of peaks there. I you, you know, the, the Hell in a Cell match is great, and it made both our list, but it's amazing how they were able to have this awesome match here um, and tell such a great story at the beginning of the story and then even mm-hmm. and, you know, add to it along the way. It's just it's fantastic. Uh, I'm sure it most really, of our fans have seen it and would agree. Yeah, it really is, man. Really, really, really good. So, yeah, that I mean, Edge, he made he made it three times on my list, man. It was really – I, I want to cut one out where I, I couldn't. I just – I had to have yeah. all three of them on there for me personally. Oh, yeah. Well, that brings... You could make that case. Uh, and the Backlash match that they have is mm-hmm. really good, too. All their matches yeah. are fantastic. They are. Well, that brings me to my number three. So the top three, episode 116, No Way Out 2006, Taker versus Kurt Angle WWE title match. Up to this point, probably Taker's greatest match of all time. Up to, the, like, uh, up to this point. It's just so good. It's a Matt classic. It's one of those that, you know, I feel like it gets talked about a lot, but not enough. Like, I feel like it's still underrated somehow when this match is just so good. Again, like we've mentioned, Taker with a smaller map-based guy, like with, with Sean or with Brett, 
with uh, Angle here. He just he shines, man. He gets to wrestle a different style. He gets to use his MMA stuff, and it's just freaking phenomenal, man. So that's where I thought we might differ, and uh, this might be controversial. That's where we break, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I actually went with WrestleMania 26 as my uh, sure. number three, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, and uh, I've got Undertaker versus Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2006 at my number two. Obviously, you know, the storyline with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, it's so epic, it's so incredible, mm-hmm. and it adds so much to it. Uh, it's a great match at WrestleMania 26. I, some people say it's better than the WrestleMania 25 match. Again, I wouldn't argue with you. It's personal mm-hmm. preference. Yeah. For me, something about it has just never... It, it's it's great, but it's not like one of the absolute greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I've got it at number three. But I've got that Undertaker versus Kurt Angle match at my number two for all the reasons you just said, it's so underrated. It's so out of nowhere. It's just, it's it's amazing. It, it's just an incredible spectacle. The submissions, good. the near falls. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's such a pleasure to watch back. And yeah. It's so exciting. You're on the edge of your seat. It's so unique and so different than so many Undertaker's matches. Um, yeah, man, it, it's just a, an incredible incredible wrestling match it really is man well again my number two is going to be uh wrestlemania 26 take it for sean river streak um all the reasons you just said and again that means both of our number one is exactly the same it's the uh punching match between taker and big show Mm. (laughs) no number one is the one it's got to be right i mean it's episode 147 wrestlemania 25 taker for sean the match that nobody needed to ever follow. Wrestling could have died that night. <laughs> We'd have been fine. That's right. It'd have been fine. So, yeah, that's our number one, ladies and gentlemen. I had a feeling, for some reason, I had a suspicion that we wouldn't have one. In, like, I, I had this feeling you wouldn't put two, uh, or our number twos would be different. I just had a sneaking suspicion about that. So, but yeah. Yeah, you know, it, I. I could have, uh, I could have yeah, put a, that Shawn Michaels there, but yeah, man, that that Kurt Angle match has just stuck out to me ever since we did it. Of how yep. great it is, I think if it took place at WrestleMania, people it would might. put it, you know, mm-hmm. on that list next to the Shawn Michaels match. But I think mm-hmm. the fact that it's on a B show, I think, takes it down yep. a little bit uh, in, in some of those months. That's why people there's still some people that have not seen it. You know, everyone. Yeah. Everyone, every wrestling fan has seen all the WrestleMania matches, but mm-hmm. some of these B shows, you know, a lot of people haven't seen. Uh, yep. So, yeah, man, that Undertaker versus Kurt Angle match, if you hadn't seen it, go back and watch it. But the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels match, it's one of those that has a legendary reputation, and it absolutely lives up to it, if not absolutely. more, if not more with time. So, WrestleMania 25, unquestionably our number one match for this era. Uh, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels took the number one match from our first era in that Hell mm-hmm. in a Cell. So uh, I don't know if they'll take it for our final era. Undertaker versus uh, Undertaker and Kane versus Shawn Michaels and Triple H. I don't know if it'll be number one for uh, the final era that we'll cover. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I doubt that. I highly doubt that. 
But we want to hear from you, Creatures of the Night. We've done it with all of our other eras. We'll do it for this one. We will put up a poll on a Google Doc uh, voting spreadsheet. We will let you guys pick from all 53 matches from this era. What are your top 10? So we encourage you to go to our social media and vote, 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 vote. Get out the vote. Rock the vote. Tell us what your top 10 matches are. And uh, I'm sure... There will be some similarities. I'm sure there will be some differences. There always are. Uh, but next week, of course, we will kick off this new era. We will get you with WrestleMania 27, Undertaker versus Triple H, no holds barred. Looking forward to that one. Uh, until then, of course, hit us up with your comments, your feedback, at Talking Taker, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Got a few comments from some of you folks out there. Uh, I'm actually going to go backwards in time uh, from before this episode with St. Ridley Santos. It gives me a chance to plug our bonus episode uh, where we uh, covered uh, me and St. Ridley talked about the entire Undertaker Triple H tetralogy uh, and Shawn Michaels, of course, uh, all Mm -hmm. four matches and how they build together. Uh, You can scroll through our archives and find that bonus episode and revisit that before we cover the third chapter in that. But he just had one of the best analogies I've ever heard in the history of our show talking about last week's episode and it fits for this week's episode. He says, if Undertaker is Peter Quill, then Paul Bearer is Yondu and Mr. Taker, whoever Undertaker's father is, would be Ego. Mr. Taker might be Undertaker's father, but Paul Bearer is his daddy and possibly also Mary Poppins, (laughs) y'all. <laughs> That's one of the best things I've Brilliant. ever heard in my life. It's so good. That's so good. It's That's why a, he's got a PhD and we don't. That's it, man. It's hilarious, <laughs> but it also it also fits. It makes a lot of sense. Oh uh, man, Poppins, y'all. It's so good. So good. Uh, but uh, I also want to shout out uh, our boys at the Bottom Line Podcast, Mike and JV. They're going, uh, they just covered a lot of Stone Cold and Undertaker stuff from 2001, and they're about to dig into the evasion. So uh, say a prayer for them. Uh, but I've uh, been listening to them the past few weeks and I've uh, been laughing at a lot of the great stuff they've been putting out <laughs> as they go through the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. So please go check them out uh, wherever you listen to podcast. And then let's finish it up here tonight with Princeton John at Princeton John 2, Travis. He is a guy who has commented on us uh, throughout the ages, throughout the many months we've been doing this. He is somebody that has a Taker Easy t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And guess what, my friend? He took us up on our challenge. He got on the Thunderdome in his Taker Easy t-shirt. No way. He sent us a screenshot of it. He called our punk card. So, Princeton John, uh, we're going to have to send a little surprise, a little gift out your way for that. Uh, thank you. Oh, kudos to you, sir. Absolutely. I need to see that screenshot. That's amazing. I love yeah, that. It's on our Twitter page. I'll send it, it over to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll look, I'll look it up when we get done with this. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we'll have something. We'll get in touch with you. <laughs> and we'll have something special sent your way, bud. That is awesome. Well, I actually have a Twitter comment um, that I found. And this okay. is from – it's a verified account. His name okay. is Dwayne du- Johnson. Uh, Got a little blue check mark next to it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. 
Yeah, I think he's an actor, maybe. He makes tequila. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, in all seriousness, this is The Rock, ladies and gentlemen. But he, um, I guess a few days ago was the anniversary of when he did The People's Elbow and Taker sat up in the middle of it. I guess that was 99, maybe? Um, 98, 99. Anyway, um, he actually, I think 90s WWE, that Twitter account is the one that that posted it and he actually retweeted it or whatever and or I don't know what it's called anyway he embedded it in his next tweet and it says good lord this era in pro wrestling was the best thank you to my friend and the man who's on my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers The Undertaker for always having fun with me so we can take care of the fans heart stopping elbow dropping and then at WWE on it so um, love that because he said in the past his Mount Rushmore is I think uh, Hogan Austin Flair, and then maybe the fourth one's always been San Martino, or uh, somebody, he's interchanged it, but he's like officially put Taker as his fourth person on the Mount Rushmore, so coming from a man like The Rock, who, who is who he is nowadays, but also has a, you know, his his pedigree speaks for itself when it comes to wrestling, so putting Undertaker as his final uh, person on the Mount Rushmore wrestling, that says, that says a lot about what Taker means to the business, so. Yeah, you know, you don't I don't remember hearing those two guys talk about each other too much. I don't think they're best friends or anything mm-hmm. like that, but their respect is there. No doubt yep. about it from, from both guys to each other. I think they uh, they earned that respect uh, throughout the years. So that is really cool to see from the biggest star in the world saying that right. about The Undertaker <laughs> yeah. here in 2020. Uh, really cool to see. And uh, yep. Randy Turco, man, this show was in Minnesota. Where are you at? Uh, it, we're, maybe maybe he'll throw something out to us before this episode posts, but <laughs> I feel like he should have been at the show if he wasn't. He should have been there, yeah. I'd be shocked if he wasn't, so uh, I expect to hear something from him soon. Absolutely. Yeah, that brings me to our closing statements here. You know, if you were there on October 24th at the Target Center in Minneapolis, Turco, where you at, brother? Uh, if you, you know, how do you how did you feel being in the, the crowd for a Buried Alive match? Um they didn't happen too often, and there's not. Is there many more after this? I uh, don't. I don't know that there are. The this one. might be the final one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't court us on that. We'll get back to you later. But yeah, what was it like to be in the crowd for this night? Um, and other than that, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed our top ten of this era, and we're looking forward to bringing you the final era of Taker's career starting next week. And uh, we'll probably have a few bonus episodes coming up too as well. But anyway, we're going to be hitting the. The final stretch of the highway to hell, the last ride is we're going to take it here to um, end his career. So another 10 years, but not 10 years worth of episodes. So just a couple episodes left, So, but a handful. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe out there. And most importantly, take her easy. I was there to pick a fight. Yeah, I was there. I was sent there personally to pick a fight. And, um, you know, I was unaware that Dana had no clue. What, what, what was going to happen, which I felt horrible about, you know, after the fact, I thought, you know, I thought there was, had been some kind of discussion between him and Vince, but, you know, um, I was like, you know, at that time, you know, I mean, Brock was so hot, you know, in the, you know, in the MMA world. So, uh, obviously, uh, it's like, you know what, why not, why not try it? And, you know, um, there, there's no, there, there, there was no personal animosity really, but 
it was, you know, it was basically me saying, all right, you left our world. I'm going to come into your world and I'm going to call you out. And, you know, I, I, you know, that, that, that was it. And obviously it was a, a huge, uh, media storm and, um, it's all your fault. Wait, now when you say you were there to pick a fight, a real fight, like an MMA fight, <laughs> like a wrestling fight. I was trying to get him back in my world. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty gutsy, but, uh, my, my, my days of getting to the octagon are far past me. I mean, I am smart enough to realize that, but, uh, I, I, I thought, you know, if I could get somebody that was on, you know, obviously there was such a history there, you know, because of his run with WWE and then, you know, his success in, and, you know, UFC, this is, this is huge if we, I can make it happen. So that's why I was, that's what, that was what it was all about. 